Hi everybody, I'm Jason Davis of the Nerd Brand Podcast, the branding and marketing from a nerd's point of view, where we talk about, well, branding and marketing. So we do this on Anchor.fm. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I opened up a Mountain Dew Game Fuel. And uh, the <laughs> lid... Ready? Yeah, well, the lid that's on it is a very confusing lid. It's not your normal lid that you open like any Coke can on. So it's got the instructions on it. And I'm like, <laughs> if you have to put instructions on the lid of, uh, of your Coke can, you have failed. I want to welcome everybody to the show, and for our listeners out there, it's Friday, and welcome to the Nerd Brand Podcast. There will be some clapping in the background of our non-studio audience. Um, so I want to introduce John Moore from IQPAC, uh, and I want to, you know, give you, today's show is marketing's dirty little secret, tips for building your brand via marketing or whatever channels you want to use or don't use. But before we get into that, John, I want you to kind of Take the floor for a bit and, and share your, your passion. Tell us about IQ Pack and, uh, you know, tell us what what's your nerd? What, what really makes you tick? Yeah, there's uh, it, it, yes. And thank you for having us on here. And uh, there's there's quite a few things that make me tick. I have a <laughs> uh, a driving passion to help people uh, always have. And I never want to look at things from a sales perspective, but more from, you know, professionally, what, what value can we instill and what ways can we help companies become bigger, better, bolder, stronger, and more profitable? And, and I think that's lent us very well. Uh, it's lent me very well in life, in a former life, and and since I founded IQ Pack <clears throat> eight years ago, it's it's served very very well because people people read through that stuff, right? If you're salesy, if you want to go in and try to sell something, but if you take a totally different approach, try to understand their needs, their concerns, their top initiatives. And then craft a story, craft a story on how we believe we can help or, or drive value to that organization and help them meet their top goals and initiatives. That's what it's all about. That's our model. And you asked, what kind of a nerd am I? I'm a nerd. In, in general, I am a nerd. But <laughs> I, am, I am definitely a packaging nerd. We can't go to, my wife and I can't go to a store that I'm not looking at and evaluating packaging and thinking, well, that's interesting, but why did they do that? And wow, did they think about the impact to the environment or the impact to material spend or labor or shipping, getting the product here? So that's how I think is more holistically. Uh, my dad was a, a project engineer for Colgate Palmolive and, huh. and, and thank God I got, you know, some of his better traits. One of his traits was listening and um, evaluating and processing. And 
looking holistically at things, not knee-jerk reaction, try to fix this or put your finger in the dike, you know, type of mentality. But mm-hmm. uh, what can you do to drive long-term sustainability across the platform? And that's that's really who I am. I'm anchored in packaging. My, I think as if I am a package, believe it or not. And then then how would people use me? How would people handle me? How would they ship me? And, you know, what things can I do as a package to drive efficiencies as that common thread in the operations and supply chain? It's, it's crazy. I wake up almost in cold sweats at night. I, I have a notepad next to my, next to my bed. And uh, have a recording device in my car so when things hit me. And I think of packaging in totally different terms than anybody else thinks about packaging. So that's what my nerdism or nerddom is, is is in (laughs) packaging and operations and supply chain. Yeah, yeah. Well, that fits. I mean, because we we always like, you know, we say like it's a it's a paraphrase of a Will Wheaton quote. But, you know, it's not what you love. It's how you love it. And, you know, we... Uh, when I first met Jonathan, you know, his concern was, well, I'm not really into comics or the movies um, or any of that stuff. I'm kind of a marketing kind of data guy. I like seeing outcomes and, and all that. And I said, well, that is your nerd. And I kind of had to explain to him, like, you know, and, and show him that. And, and it was like, ah, it's a, you know, aha moment and a revelation of, you know, what defines that? What defines a nerd? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, I know the feeling of walking into something and being in an industry and looking at it and going uh, just kind of fascinated with how it was put together. I was in engineering for 14 years. Mm-hmm. So, I did a, so I did a lot of work with um, medical equipment and designing it, like overhead monitor carriers. Um, you know, but I also worked in, um, for retail for store fixtures. But I look at things like that and I'm like, I know what gauge metal that's made out of and what if they use pop rivets, a weld or, you know, screws, whatever it is, you know, you kind of look at how things are made uh, and you kind of get used to it. And you kind of think about like how much material went into it to make it. And, you know, and cheap metal is not cheap, especially if you get into stainless, because we did a lot of work with Whirlpool and GE for the doors. We made doors. That's also my fault. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> now I know who to look for. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, after 14 years in the industry, I mean, I, I went from that to the automotive industry. So, yeah, yeah things fall apart. Don't don't call me. That's not mine. <laughs> well, yeah, I tell yeah. you what, the automotive industry is tough. We, we are in the automotive industry from a packaging perspective and packaging optimization supply chain. I tell you what, <clears throat> I've told a lot of people in different, you know, in different walks of life. If you can make it in automotive, you can make it anywhere. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. We did vacuum. I did. uh, I was part of the team that would design and lay out the vacuum filters. Um, These things are, you know, if you're familiar with them or not, they're about as big as a house, and some of them could be even larger. Um, And so it was really, you know, at, at the time they're oversimplified in 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 my opinion and what they do and how they work um the piping and and where that goes and how that's done doing all the schematics for that that was a lot of the work that that we did you know how many couplers do we need how many pumps go for this one what's the clean tank where is it going to sit and all that kind of stuff and you know it's just kind of like i remember 2005 to 2008 was when i was uh doing that so it was a great time as you can imagine because we all know what happened in that time. Oh, yeah 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, one of our primary customers was General Motors, and we had a $30 million backlog. It disappeared in like two days. Yeah. And uh, they owed $15 million, and the company was Man and Hummel. Um, I don't know if I have to bleep that out uh, now, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, because they're still in business, but it was just a subdivision of theirs that was doing mm-hmm. this work. So maybe I've scooted past that by saying that. Um, but yeah, it, it's a, it's a weird business though. Um, you know, after that I got into building car dealership websites. So it was just kind of like this, this industry that in some way or fast, it keeps chasing me. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get it's that hook that keeps bringing you back in. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'm sure as you, uh, since you've talked with, uh, with Mitch and John, you figured out their nerd and when, what they like, uh, mine has always been, um, movies. I like any kind of movie. I do like comic book movies. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is something that I'm a big fan of, but I am a Batman guy, which is why I wear a Batman t-shirt on my LinkedIn and everywhere. Cause I'm like, well, you know, it's on brand. And so, um, but I was into graphic novels a lot is what I collected. So I know a lot about that. Grant Morrison was one of my favorites and, and what he put, what he did with the character in the comics. Um, so that's kind of a, just a quick snippet of me, Transformers, other things. I'm, I'm a kid of the, you know, late eighties, early nineties, I'm 44. So, you know, you can kind of gauge, uh, the time that I grew up. And, uh, so that's kind of a little bit about me because I know we've not unfortunately be able to meet face to face, but kind of gives you a window into, you know, uh, a bit about sure. me. Um, so is there anything in, in that, you know, when you were growing up that was uh, a favorite of yours, John, uh, to, you know, partake in, whether if it was comics or a toy line or anything like that? Yeah, there was a few things. Um, one, I was a big fan of uh, G.I. Joe, and I was, I'm in the, you know, the, the pre- uh, you know, games and, you know, pre, you know, everybody has a computer, uh, lifestyle and, and my parents were from the great depression. So they weren't real big on, uh, too many amenities. We had one black and white TV in the house. There was four children and, and, and of course my parents and, uh, you know, we grief, John, you're me. Yeah. We'd watch the, we'd watch the (laughs) evening news and, uh, you know, I'd try to catch a cartoon, uh, maybe Saturday morning, but other than that, I was a boy's boy. I was out, you know, eating dirt and and, <laughs> and, and swimming in flood water and chasing uh, frogs and turtles and bringing that stuff home. And uh, so I just loved, I still love the outdoors. Uh, you know, my parents instilled that in me to go outside and exercise. Even to this day, I mean, people, people in my neighborhood look at me like I'm crazy, which you know, I guess because I'm a nerd, but I still have a push mower. Everybody, everybody in my <laughs> in our cul-de-sac has a riding mower, so they look at me like, "Poor John." I mean, he can't afford a riding mower. It's like, no, everybody's got chainsaws and electric this and electric that. I cut trees down with a saw, like uh, like a manual saw, and and oh my and, goodness. And, you know, I cut firewood, you know, with, you know, mallets and wedges and, and, and those kind of, and hatchets and that kind of stuff. And, uh, not that I'm super in shape, but, I, you know, I believe in, you know, being physical. Uh, my dad would not let me have a calculator in high school. He said, 
you're not going to get a calculator. You can forget it. Of course, my dad's electrical engineer, process engineer, you know. And I had to learn mathematics and calculus and uh, formulas by uh -huh. myself. Guess what? Usually what's between my ears, which, believe me, there's a lot of cobwebs there, but uh, <laughs> doing those kind of things. But you asked about, you know, what I was attracted to. Well, I really like Superman. He could fly. He could, he was, you know, solving major global problems. Uh, he's a problem solver. He wasn't a superhero. He was a problem solver, right? There's a bank that's going to get robbed and that's not going to happen. And I can remember mm -hmm. running up down the street in our uh, dead end street. I'd tie a sheet around my neck and got, there goes John. <laughs> he's running up down the street for, for 30 or 35, 40 minutes. I love G.I. Joe's. I had a, a small G.I. Joe collection. I had uh, Legos. I would build different buildings and homes. Probably my favorite was an erector set that my parents got me. And I would build cranes and buildings and moving things and, you know, uh, robotics and those kind of things with erector set. And uh, now, now, John, I, I have two questions. Yep. Well, one question and one kind of a illumination when it comes to gi joes which gi joes did you have did you have the little ones or did you have the the bigger ones? oh heck no the bigger there? ones i i would call yeah. them what 12 14 inches tall yeah, yeah the big i mean they yep they were the same i mean they were they were the same size as like a barbie was for girls and came and came with all the clothes the weapons the the equipment you could get him like he had like a land rover and it, yeah, and yeah, I got had the Land Rover, and I tied a rope to it to my bike, and I put stuff like two or three GI Joes in it, and I go as fast as I could to see how long they can uh, stay in. <laughs> we're, 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 we're kid, and, and that, and, and having a sheet tied around your neck, running down the street, man, John, we're kindred spirits, bro. Yeah. Well, I know you uh, you mentioned Legos, and I found that uh, I, that's that's a company that kind of is, um, on topic for this podcast, actually. Um, you know, they nearly failed twice. Um, I think the first failure they nearly had was in the mid, uh, was the late nineties. Um, and then also toward probably the mid two thousands. Um, you know, they got into creations that were not, they got away from the brick yeah. basically, yeah. I think. And uh, what saved them was when you mentioned director sets, my brain immediately went like, yeah, that's when they came out with all those mechanized, I forget what they call them, but they allowed people to grab them and create like little machines, you know, out of, and build them with Legos. And then a bunch of guys that like in my background, they would take and hack the code and start making them do other things. And at that moment, Lego had to decide like, okay, do we get lawyers and aggressive with this and lock it down or do we kind of let them do their thing and see yeah. what happens? And very smartly, they chose the latter. Uh, and ever since then, it's been a brand that has, it's been enormously successful and they don't spend a lot of money on marketing because of that. Um, I think that's their end. I mean, that's, that's a brand that I think Mitch, you call them legacy brands. Yep, yep, yep. Um, you know, they just, uh, They've earned it. You know, they, 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 there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to get to that point. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't see that because there was a time when they mm -hmm. did a lot of that. Um, but where they're at today, I mean, you're talking about brands that, you know, I don't care who you are. You, there is a brand out there like you just described in your childhood 
this is what you remember. This is what you did, you know? And for me, it was, uh, it wasn't GI Joe's for me. It was yeah. Transformers and, and, uh, you know, Transformers and He-Man. Um, and so, you know, everybody's got some sort of connection to something that still to this day, it, it makes money in some medium mm -hmm. in some way. And you're seeing that all that blood, sweat, and tears, all that's translate. Like the, you know, we I talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe a lot because when it started out, it was rough. You know, Kevin Feige was really, I don't think, and he was uh, Mitch. Was he around in the very beginning? He, I know yeah, it was he's guys. been there since the beginning, but I think the amount of control he's had over, up to the point where they, it wasn't until they launched Marvel Studios as an official entity that he came in yeah. and they gave him the reins. Before that, he was like he was. He was a producer with other producers. Avi Avi Arad was like the the main producer in the early generation uh, X Men movies. You know, starting with the first X Men movies, uh, the first Daredevil, the Daredevil movie, uh, the first Spider Man mm -hmm. movies. He was he had leadership of uh, the film properties at, at that point. It wasn't it wasn't yeah. really they said okay we want more control over our properties, over our characters, over our stories. We're opening our own studio and we're going to do it the Marvel way. Yeah. But even before that, I mean, when they were trying to get Iron Man made, um, Iron Man wasn't going to be the, the first film. It was, he was trying to get Dr. Strange and, um, and it wasn't Feige. It was the guy that plays happy. He's the guy that's ha uh, the, the chauffeur for, you know, um, uh, John, Far John Favreau. <laughs> John Favreau, yes, John Favreau. He was going. He was actually in the, in the beginning stages of that. So he was trying to get Doctor Strange to uh, be a part, just get it kickstarted again to begin this this dream. And so he did a lot of meetings, a lot of feet to pavement type stuff, and that took him to um, Sony and said, "Hey, let's do a movie where uh, Doctor Strange and Spider Man are in the movie together." And they said, "It's Sony, no thanks." Well. Guess what happened today, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch joins the cast of Spider-Man 3. Oh, Doctor Strange himself. So isn't it funny how all those years ago that got, I guess you could say, planted. And now here it is. And so it's a very long journey to, you know, build a brand. It's a very long journey to get to get to where Lego is. And some of the brands that you mentioned, Mitch, and I kind of let you kind of, you did the research on these, like trade where uh, we got on our list today, Trader Joe's, Krispy Kreme, Costco, Sriracha, GoPro, and yeah. Tesla. It, it's just basically, I mean, the kind of the, the lead into the podcast being, you know, one of the dirty little secrets in marketing. And that is you, you don't have to unload a bundle of money necessarily on advertising. I'm saying advertising. Uh, in order to, to to promote your brand, there's a lot of other variables that go into mix, and I'm sure Jonathan you know, had a lot to say about this. The, the the little asterisk here is that that's advertising. Advertising is just one component of your overall marketing picture, okay? And marketing is everything from the architectural design of your locations to the interactions that your that your service people, your representatives have with the customer mm -hmm. um, it, and it's everything that happens in between them mm -hmm. is marketing these brands are brands that have taken those other components and capitalized on those in order to help make their brand successful and I'm, i may not go into these necessarily in order the order they were mentioned because it, a good example of this is sriracha 
their lack of an advertising budget per se isn't because they've made a conscious decision that they don't want to advertise. Their, their CEO, David Tran, says, quote, I don't advertise because I can't. The reason is they, are, they have a total commitment to the quality of the ingredients that they source for sriracha, that it doesn't allow them the extra cash to unload on advertising. But by the same token, there is a consistency in their product that creates enough word of mouth and enough loyalty to that brand that it doesn't hurt them. Now, the question could be could be posed, well, if they did advertise, could they grow? Well, you know, sure. But, you know, every brand owner, and you've got different companies, some are run by boards, and you've got some that are run by sole proprietorships or a sole entity or a partnership. It all, you know, it depends on what your brand is committed to. Mm-hmm. And, with, and with Sriracha, it is a complete and total commitment to sourcing the right ingredient to have a consistent experience with their sauce no matter where you go and no matter where you buy it. And I, I find that incredibly uh, laudable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of these, uh, like, I, you know, this speaks a lot about me, but what stood out in the list was Krispy Kreme. <laughs> you know what? That's okay. <laughs> I own it. I own it. I'm a fat guy. Um, but you know, I thought to myself, like, here's, here's, here's a brand. Like when you see Krispy Kreme, it's not a question if I should buy it. It's just a, it's a yes. <laughs> it's how much you're going to buy, probably, but not if you're yeah. going to buy it. <laughs> I mean, how can you not go into a Krispy Kreme and that smell as they're making them? Not, I mean, that's just the sell right there, isn't it? It's like you smell it and you go, I, I want 1,700 of those. You know, and you just don't care what the well, bill is. You know, I mean, they're not, they're not well, cheap, you, but well, still. To your point, marketing is as much experiential as it is having information thrown at you or being exposed to media about the brand. It's that it, what it all boils down to, whether you advertise or not, is that experience you have with that brand, mm-hmm. creating experience with the brand that makes people want to come back and, and, and have it again and again mm-hmm. and again. And, and food is just one of those things that it's so sensory. Um, and it, it's so satisfying and appealing in so many ways. It, it gives you an advantage in that respect that maybe some, you know, less t- tangible is that, is that a good word? Some less tangible products just don't have that luxury because you have to tell more of a story about your your thing, if you will, mm-hmm. to make people want to interact with it. You have to find those qualities about it. And Jonathan and I were in a meeting today uh, with a prospect, and it, it's, it's the idea that you can throw all the information you want at, at an audience. But what's going to cause them to interact with you and come back and, and want more is if you hit an emotional an emotional sensory cord in their brain or in their heart that makes them get up and act. People don't act based solely on facts. You can throw facts at people all day long, but what's make, what makes people get up out of the chair and move is you you, you strike an emotion with mm-hmm. them. You strike a sense with them. Uh, something, that, it's something that causes passion, whether it's a passion for flavor, a passion for a sound, uh, uh, the way something looks, the way it feels, You've got to hit one of those elements. You've got to hit that emotional spark in order to get people to act. And food has has the luxury of being able to do that on, you know, on a sensory level. Yeah. The first thing that comes to your mind, John, as far as a brand, what would it be? Like, would it be, for example, Apple? Would it be, you know, 
What do you think? Like what brand? Well, there's, yeah, there's a lot that you asked the first. I, I think I, I think it's probably Apple and not because you 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 threw that out, but I think it is. And it wasn't so much and it's not so much how I feel. One of my uh, one of one of my partners in IQ pack uh, was describing uh, marketing and branding and he had an Apple iPhone in his hand when he did it. And, and I forgot what the relevance mm-hmm. was, but I think we were talking about marketing and branding. Go figure of all things. And he, <laughs> he held his iPhone and he gave me a visual that has stuck in my mind. And he was holding it. He said, John, it's, it's, it opens up the world to me. I've got the world at my fingertips with with my with my Apple iPhone. And he said, the shape, it fits in my hand. The feel, it's soft. It it like blends into my hand. So it was like that whole, admits your point, kind of the the sensory experience that he was describing mm-hmm. and the emotional part about it that he's literally got the the world at his fingertips when that iPhone is in his hand. And that's really stuck with me. And um and and, and I view things that way, right? Like our brand IQ pack, how do people how do people feel when they hear IQ pack? What what emotion does that evoke? It does does it evoke a call to action? Does it make them feel happy or sad or better or worse? Or that's important to us. Mm-hmm. That's very important to me as the founder and co-founder of IQ Pack. I want people to have a great experience with IQ Pack, and I want when they hear that 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 company name, they get some sensory involvement and and it evokes some emotion that we made their life better. We made their, their business more sustainable. We, we made it where we gave them greater bandwidth and they could get home at six o'clock in the evening and not 10 o'clock in the evening. Just, yeah, you you helped. We helped and, 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 and you guys hit it right on the head. It, 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 it hits on an emotion and that's very important to us. And, and not as a, not as the lead in, but that's why we believe marketing and branding is, is so important. And listen, we're not marketing branding experts. If we were, we'd be in the marketing and branding uh, industry like you guys. Right. (laughs) And we don't know what we don't know. So we're, we're sticking to what we do pretty well. And that's packaging and supply chain and packaging optimization and supply chain. And uh, and leaving it to the experts like NerdBrand to, to to help us kind of get through this minefield and and develop the brand that that invokes our vision and the feel to our customers that we want. Well, I think from the from the very first meeting, I think that you and I had together and and with your partner, uh, you know, we uh, I think one of the most compelling things you said in, in all of those interviews is that the best thing we can get for our customers is is a promotion. And I think that's kind of that, mm-hmm. you know, you prick that heart. Yeah, you know, that's not so much about the money. It's about 
giving somebody the confidence, giving them the tools and, and the bandwidth, like you said, to pursue, you know, presumably what they want, which is to, to move up in their company, to have more ownership. Um, and to me, that's where, you know, especially on the sell side, when, you, when you're getting into those conversations where people get a little hesitant to, to bring uh, an outside firm in, um, that's that kind of heartstring that you really do have to, to pull at. I think that's a, a great one that you guys have, have expressed to me. At least. Absolutely. To that point, well, if, if we rented for the money, I'd be a day trader. Right, that, 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 <laughs> right. Well, well, not, maybe not me per se, I, I usually, you know, buy high and sell low. But and I know that's opposite from the <laughs> economics that I took in school. But um, um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 helping people. It's helping making people better. It's developing relationships and long term sustainable relationships with our customers. And you know what? The back end, the, the 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 success as far as monetarily will come, but you know, there's also success measured in other ways, right? It creating jobs, creating culture, uh, creating a better life for uh-huh. our employees, and, and and seeing them drive passion and and excited about being a part of something bigger, and giving them the autonomy to make decisions. And not be micromanaged. So, I, you know, I hope we're creating a great culture. I think we are. I feel like I'm the chief <laughs> culture officer. I'm not even the CEO. I'm the founder. Listen, I'm a knuckle dragger. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a package guy. I don't think so. Listen, I, I want I want the company to be better. I want us to, to to impact more lives. And I can't do that if I'm the CEO. If I'm the CEO. I'll be confused. I won't. I won't be in my in my safe place or where I drive passion, and that's through packaging. That that's how I do all these mm-hmm. things is through packaging. Not. I don't want to be a CEO. I don't even want to be the president. Guess what? I want to be. I'm a. I'm a founder, co-founder. I want to be the director of packaging because I think my passion lends itself better to do the things we need to do, and for me to make an impact to our employees, our customers, and the world from that position, not from a position of CEO. And what are titles anyway, right? Um, Well, well, John, you hit a a great point at the core of this whole whole podcast about what marketing, I mean, it's sort of, this is a podcast almost about what marketing is. And that's a marketing decision. Yeah. That's a marketing decision because you're staying true to your convictions. Yeah. And on the, you know, on this list of brands, these are brands that are all, they are all con- committed to the original convictions of the brand that made them successful from the mm-hmm. beginning. And you're, co- you are committed. Yes. I mean, you've just, what you've just voiced is a commitment to a philosophy that has made you successful at the beginning. And that's, if, if your brand is going to stay the successful brand, it is, you have to stay committed to those. Absolutely. All the way yeah. through. Um, Costco, Costco yeah. Um, yeah. in some respect, Costco is a good, another good example of that. Because again, a company that doesn't advertise at all, really, not in the in conventional sense. But here, here's the key: they have like an eighty to ninety percent retention rate in their members. Well, ask yourself why is that? It's because they are they stay committed to the core principles that made them successful to begin mm-hmm. with. Yeah, and Co- Co- Costco's model is closer to Netflix than it is to Kroger. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that's something that's come, sometimes I think missed because when you get into Costco, 
yeah, you see all this stuff in bulk, and it's like, do I really need a pallet <laughs> right. of Heinz ketchup? Yes. yes. I d- no. I, okay. Well, if you're if you're if you're Jonathan, then maybe I'm going to say maybe to be careful, but John's going to come back and say yes, no matter what. So. Send all your pallets of ketchup to Nerd Brand Agency at <laughs> Care of John. <laughs> Care, Care of John. <laughs> We're going to have so many barbecues in 2021 <laughs> with hot dogs and stuff. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of stir it, stir it back in the groove a little bit. I love, I love ketchup too, by the way. Um, but that's the whole idea that's that, true. I mean, you look at, their, you look at Costco's core principles, and that is even. They, they they only keep a select they only keep select brands on the shelves. They don't carry everybody. They have you have they have a whole staff that, that is basically quality measurement and and they kind of they look at all these brands and they make sure that they retain a certain level of quality. And that's the brands that are recurrent. They have brands that turn over frequently because they want to expose their customers to new things. Which if you've ever been to Costco on a on a Saturday or a Sunday. That's why that's when everybody goes because that's when it's free sample. Mm, yeah. You can go in the, you can go in there and have like yeah. a three course meal if you want to. <laughs> but it's a commitment even to the brands that may change out. A commitment to brands that are consistently good and of high quality. And this goes right down to their house brands. A, a little personal story. I bought a friend of mine as a gift a bottle of their of Costco's brand of Tawny Port. Okay? And if, you, if you're into wines and, and, and liquor at all, then that may resonate with you. But because the ratings of this are comparable, the ratings on their house brand of Tawny Port, which can be in a pretty expensive money, is on a par with some of the higher end brands in that in that segment. And that that's a that when you have that kind of commitment to your own house brands at that level of quality, um, that, that says something about who you are. Um also, they're, in addition to their employee turnover rate, I mean, I mean, their membership turnover rate, their employee turnover rate is really low, too, because they offer, you know, advancement and probably the highest pay in, in, in that segment and um, and plan and ability yeah. to grow, you know, grow as an employee. So that whole commitment to, to a quality experience is with their customers, it's with their employees, it's with the brands that they carry. Um, so, again, that, that going back to John's. You know, you know John's uh, philosophy. It's that commitment to a, a core brand mission message and sticking with your core beliefs. And it's real. It's not contrived. It's not just something you put on on your website or something for public consumption. You believe it and you live it. And people want that more and more because of the web. People have access to information, and they know when you're not real. Yeah. And we preach this to our to our clients. People will pick up. Through, they'll see through the veil immediately because there's too many places they can go to look under the curtain. So, um, yeah, yeah. Well, there's companies that if you know, you, you, you will go off the rails if you start to go outside of what you're doing, sure. you know, your strengths are your strengths. And so you have to capitalize on those. They're weaknesses for a yeah. reason. It's called a weakness for a reason because it's a weakness. But, um, I, you know, as you were talking, Mitch, about some of that, I was thinking in my head, I was like, you know, there's brands also that kind of transcend into just our vocabulary, like Kleenex. You know, it's like, hand me a Kleenex. You know, here's, you know, well, it's a Puffs. Yeah, but I don't say, hand me a Puffs. You know, I, hand me I, don't, a I don't say, tissue. hey, I want to drink a cup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't say, hand me a, I say, hey, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna drink a right. cup. Right. But it's it, a Pepsi. That's probably well, the biggest example. You know, 
and, and some of this is regional, but you know, you walk in, you want give me a Coke. Well, what you're saying is you want a soft drink. You want to, you know, you want to, but yeah. it's, it's, it's so big that it's become like the generic term for any soft drink. Yeah. Nobody, ne- nobody will Netflix and chill and turn on <laughs> Disney plus. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they do. I don't, you know, I'm not judging anybody out well, there. That's what you do. Nobody on the show is judging you. You will watch whatever streaming service you like. There, I well, made my, that statement to be well, fair. An, another, another example, and this may be generational, but my dad refers to every refrigerator, every refrigerator as a frigidaire. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. what, what's in the frigidaire? What pops in mind when you hear smartphone? What's the visual? Ooh, there's a good one. Yeah, me too. iPhone for you me. know. I don't think of an Android. I think that's that's interesting that mm-hmm. you know. I was thinking about this the other day. Do you remember where you were when you when you kind of experienced the iPhone for the first time? Yep. And think about that. Like, yes. Think about how many other things you remember where you were when you experienced it. You know, not to go in a negative way, but everybody knows where they were on nine eleven. Right. And then you think about the iPhone, not com- not comparing it to. No. Be very clear, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I remember being in, I guess, probably the, my English class in junior year of high school, and somebody pulled out an iPhone, and I was like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> yeah. so I started. I started asking people over the last. Yeah, week, Do you remember where you were? And everybody I've asked remembers exactly where they were. Yeah, I was. I was sitting in my in my office, and I was working another agency at the time, and my boss came in and. And he had it, and of course, everybody in the hall. We were all out standing in the hallway, and within two seconds, looking over his shoulder, you know, booing and eyeing over this amazing new device that he had. That was God, what year was that? I'm afraid to even say. It had to be like 2006 ish, yeah. 2007. Yep, yep, something like that. Yeah, around seven. John, where were you when you first saw one? Uh, yep. mm-hmm. Well, I, 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 I can tell you, I, I can tell you with confidence where I was when I saw the first BlackBerry. How about that? I'm a, I'm a little bit <laughs> okay. older. That's a good guys. one too. That uh, kind of revolutionized business. I was, yeah, I was exactly. Got the uh, working uh, for a previous company in packaging distribution. It was there about 16, 17 years. But we had a, uh, we had one of our OEMs or like film manufacturers and and he was standing in the lobby and I happened to be going out, probably going on a sales call or whatever. So I was leaving the offices and going through the lobby and I said, Hey Daryl, how you doing? He said, Oh good, John. And there was something in his hand. I'm like, you don't mind me asking what's that in your hand? It's he goes, Blackberry. I'm like, okay, I've heard of Blackberry, but what are you doing? He goes, I'm checking email. And I said, What? I'm like, are you kidding? Let me see that. And I thought, oh my God, you know, because, you know, I was thinking phones or Blackberry smart, whatever phone calls, but I had heard of Blackberry that, you know, they weren't that, uh, uh, predominant or whatever. Hell that might, it's probably before Apple. So I don't know if that was like 1998 or 2001 or, or 19, 94 whatever it was but yeah yeah they they were they were they were before they like i said they were like the precursor to the modern to the smartphone they weren't smartphones but i'm like oh my god i couldn't believe it i'm like oh my gosh that just so i remember where it was i remember the temperature that day was probably 77 it was sunny and i mean it was like (laughs) <laughs> like where were you when? And, and I remember it. I can I can tell you what he was wearing. He was wearing a suit. 
like a brown suit. Mm-hmm. And that that was very impactful to me when I saw the first Blackberry. <laughs> they did. And the sky and the sky is over <laughs> there and the sun is there and the choir of angels all spoke. I mean, you just painted a really vivid picture for our <laughs> listeners, what, what, right? What's funny is what's funny is, I mean, they, they were the be all end all in the business world and then probably what and I'm just guessing here, five to maybe less than ten years later, what happened? They went bye bye. Yeah, they did. <laughs> no. They didn't adapt. They they didn't really adapt. I mean, you know, at the they did. when the terms of the, the touch screen came about, it wasn't necessary, yeah. you know, to no, have a keyboard yeah, on your phone. Uh, yeah, yeah, right, the stylus. The thing that struck me about the Blackberry first time I saw one, I thought those buttons are really small. <laughs> and, and then the other thing yeah. is, why Blackberry? I mean, I'm a branding guy and I get it. It was like, I want to be, I wish I could have been in the room when they had that conversation, how they decided what they were going to call it. Well, I know that as far as the use of the Blackberry, I mean, John just, you know, vividly kind of explained how important and why it became and lasted so long because to this day, email is still one of the most important things you can do for your company. I mean, email marketing is huge. People just kind of ignore it because it's like email. You know, email's been around since 1994. But it's like, yeah, but it's still a very effective way to, to reach people, to, to grow an audience, to do things. And, John, I know you've got lots to say about email marketing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it kind of like owned it. It owned it in that space. When you got to an iPhone, iPhone didn't really have a lot of business apps that were great. It's like, okay, I can, I can, I can cut through <laughs> on my phone, but how do I manage my inbox, Apple? <laughs> didn't take, it didn't take them long, though. It really didn't. I mean, and then, and then you've got the other smartphones that came along. Um, it's just, that is an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic how that all evolved. And then you see where smartphones are now, and you see where BlackBerry is today. It's like hmm. it, it's kind of it's, it's almost tragic in some yeah. sense. You know, in, from a tech standpoint, so as we're talking about tech innovation, talking about brands that don't advertise, don't spend money on advertising. You've got Tesla, uh, which to me, if if you really look at Tesla, it's it's amazing what a reflection they are of the, the mind behind the brand, and it, the the fact that they are focused on disruption through innovation. They don't want to leap ahead of a trend. They don't want to, you know, they don't seem to be concentrating. And and this is probably a reflection of Elon Musk himself. He's not about jumping onto another trend or or changing the trajectory. He wants to start a whole new conversation. And sometimes his stuff seems really, really crazy. But then you've got Tesla, which has a very loyal very loyal audience. But then you got all the other things he's gotten into that seem off the wall, but now now they become a reality. Like, you know, rockets that take off within the, the, the launch the launch uh, vehicle actually comes back and lands. The, you know, renewable space mm-hmm. travel. Um, yeah, did anybody notice that in these, in, in over the, of course, you know, the pandemic and the election is taking up the news cycle, but did, <laughs> did anybody realize we're in another space race? But it, but it's in the open market now. It's like between SpaceX and mm-hmm. Boeing and, and others now. I mean, it's uh, it's happening right in front of us again. It's not. My father, would, you know, he's the the baby boomer, so the, you know, he remembers all of that stuff back then. You know, Apollo and everything. And it's like um, we're kind of in it again. We're trying well, to capture the moon. Well, <laughs> and, and, and the funny of, thing is, not to get off on a tangent, but there have been people that have been 
there have been people screaming for for decades that that you needed to let private companies get involved because that's where the innovation takes place to actually move the ball even further forward. And now we've now we finally got it. Well, and, and with the help and cooperation of NASA, which is which is fantastic. But now you've got you don't have just one source. But you know why? There's a goal. I mean, if you don't have a clearly defined goal, if you don't have a clear defined purpose, and you can see how I'm tub, I think you all can see how I'm dovetailing back in here. Um, if you don't have a clearly defined strategy, goal, purpose, I mean, it's hard to get people to, you know, rally behind the brand to get excited about what you're doing because you want them to have that excitement. I mean, John, you brought it up earlier. You want them to have passion that they're, you know, for what you're doing and, and being a part of something. And, mm. and people want people want purpose, you know. And every brand has the ability to create purpose. And, you know, all these things, all these brands you've listed here create purpose. The purpose of SpaceX is to, well, go out and achieve the goal of getting and, to the and, moon and, and then getting and to Mars. When I think, uh, right, you look at Dopro, you want to talk about a, a company of those on the list that empowered masses of people. To yep. have a purpose or to express their their purpose in an entertaining way, you know, you you can't get any better than what GoPro did in terms of empowering their their users. Yeah, it's pretty through user generated content. I mean, that whole brand is, is built on the backs of other people's YouTube videos, their customers' YouTube videos and Instagram videos. I mean, and failed videos. Yeah, and really, <laughs> you know, uh, what would GoPro be without that? I mean, it's just a fancy camera. But it's the it's the the consumer base that created that brand, and and they empowered it, of course. But I think uh, of those on the list of these six, you know, leverage your customers to tell your story. Mm -hmm. That's tough. I mean, I, it's tough to do. Yeah, you know, and that happened organically in, in a large way. Uh, I don't know. Well, we want to thank our guest today on the show because uh, he's one <laughs> yes, of those people that yes. has done that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's – yeah, I agree. So not to uh, not to take the show down a notch, but I kind of want to bring this up. John, I don't know if you're a music fan or not, but we did lose this week one of the greatest innovators and guitar players in the world, I think. Um, Eddie Van Halen passed away. I remember when we were talking about where were you when this happened. I'm going to remember where I was when the news came down that we lost this guy because uh, this is like from my when I was a teenager. Like I think we've all got idols, John. I don't know what who whose yours were if you had any in music or not, but you know, was it? Were you ever a fan of? Uh, I know it's kind of getting off a little bit of a sidetrack note here, but were you ever a fan of Eddie Van Halen, or uh, was you, were you more of Leonard Skinner, well, Aerosmith, um, or any none yeah, of the above? I, that's a good question, and and um, boy, it, it, philosophically, the the people that stick in my mind are uh, pe people that are trying to do better things for the world, like. You know, and, and I don't mean to talk politics here, but John F. Kennedy, I, I remember <laughs> when he was shot and killed. I remember uh, Robert mm. Kennedy. Uh, I remember Martin Luther King. I remember, you know, those kind of things. Sports. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've got, you know, heroes in sports. Uh, I've got I've got uh, groups that I love, but I don't put much 
emphasis in those areas for whatever reason. Um, I'm not a diehard fan of really anything sports. I'm not a diehard fan of anything music. I love all music. Um, I never thought I would. I, you know, my dad would listen to uh, classical music, and 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 I remember saying, "I'll never, ever, ever <laughs> listen to that." But guess what? <laughs> to, to soothe me, I'll listen to classical music. So, um, it's, yeah, I like some Hans yeah. Zimmer. I like that. But uh, I like, no, I, I like I I mean, seeing Eddie pass yeah. away, and uh, I, I was a big fan of his. But again, for whatever reason, I just I put. I put more emphasis on people curing cancer or solving COVID or doing those things. Those are the ones that I remember. Mm -hmm. The others are vague and gray of, of sports heroes that maybe have passed or, or, and I know I'm getting really boring here. It's probably showing what a <laughs> true, true, true <laughs> nerd I am. But, um, <laughs> It's it, it it's like it's like you said, Jason. It's not it's not the what, it's the how. Yeah, I mean, you're you know whether it doesn't really yeah it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, we all there is a way to connect to everybody in some way with something, either music, sports. Like I'm not a sports guy either, John. I I I joke with the team all the time whenever. Mitch talks about sports. And I'm like sports <laughs> yes. ball, yay! I mean, I you know, you know, I, I get football. You know, I have played it. I've played baseball. I've done, and, and I'm just kind of like, eh, I don't, you know, I don't care, you know. And but I understand the impact that mm -hmm. these things have because everything is a brand. Everything today. I mean, it's just, it's why I, you know, nerd brand became what it is. Is because I looked around and I said everybody's on this marketing bandwagon, but nobody's thinking about what they're saying. They're just grabbing a bullhorn and standing on a corner and screaming into it, hoping somebody comes around to listen and it doesn't work. You know, your message isn't touching anybody. Like people are like, why do you have a podcast and talk about nerd stuff? And you know, like this or that. And you know, if it's a marketing podcast, you'd be talking about the percentage of your click through rate to your website and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, right. yeah, we could. <laughs> people are bored, including us. You know, I like, I spend at least a couple of hours editing the show. If I start to fall asleep right. when I'm editing the show, <laughs> right. then it's a bad show. <laughs> so, which I don't think it'll be the case here. Um, but you know, it's like, there is, um, John was earlier showing me like um, some, some posts that he did on LinkedIn, the engagement he was getting just off of stuff that was really more entertaining than it was. You know, it's probably, the I guess, posts about, you know, you know uh, a tactical yeah. thing you could do online or through digital ads or whatever, you know, gets a little interaction and mostly from people in the industry, but uh, asking people what they thought of the new uh, Smuckers logo. Or, oh, yeah, you know, showing show a video of, of somebody <laughs> behind the scenes how a, a specific uh, photo shoot was done. You know, those two posts resonated substantially more and got a lot more engagement, got, you know, a lot more views and, and reach than anything I've shared recently on, on a business topic. And on a platform like LinkedIn, you're thinking, well, that's what everybody's there for, right? Everybody's there to talk business, and they're not, right? You know, it, really, LinkedIn's become a a light Facebook. It's, 
Yeah, it's it's business Facebook. Mm-hmm. Right, it is exactly. because it's made up of people. Exactly. At the end of the day, it's still people. People people buy from people. People don't buy from nameless, faceless, digital entities, right. names. What people buy from people. Right. And to your point, Jonathan, never and that's just the way it is. So. Well, especially in social. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they've done the research. It's, it's pretty much people want discounts. They want entertainment or they want education. You know, anything beyond that, you're kind of going into waters where you're, you're not going to have substantial, you know, substantial reach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of what I do on LinkedIn on mine is more along the lines of the podcast. Uh, very rarely do I share a blog post that I wrote or somebody wrote. Like they know we have a website. They know we have, that we have a blog. If you want to read resources and things that we have, we have case studies there. We have all that stuff there. It's there. You know that. But hearing it from us audibly is one way to connect. And in my opinion, it's like that seems to have the best um, use of my time in posting to social media because we all know social media can be a time suck. So posting about the podcast seems to be effective, you know, for us. And that's what I, that's what I focus on other than commenting and congratulating people on other things as sincerely as I can. It's just, that's a major part of that. I mean, it's LinkedIn is a, you know, eventually we'll probably do some sort of a seminar on LinkedIn. I mean, we've got, we've got the venue and we've got the backing of the chamber. It's just eventually we just have to put it together. And then, uh, you know, once we get on the other side of the pandemic, that'll help a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, because there's a lot of interest in it right now. I mean, people are like kind of, you know, uh, they're looking at it. It's like they kind of come around to it in cycles, you know, and I think I'm starting to see the wave come back around to it again. So, but anyways, I think that's probably going to do it for the show, unless you guys have anything you want to add, anything you want to plug. Well, it's time uh, to do it. I want to say thanks to John piece. for coming on. And, and of course, you know, I don't know how much it was touched on at the very beginning, Uh you know, we're, we're glad to have you as a partner and looking forward to, to make an IQ pack big and bold and, and do all the things we've talked about here today. Um, so we definitely appreciate you. Appreciate you coming on and feel free to, to plug yourself again uh, as we're at the end of the show. Yeah, if, we, if we could template a client persona, uh, IQ pack comes pretty doggone close to the perfect client persona you, you want to work with because Great product, great people, uh, great model. Um, not to say that makes it easy as an, you know, like anybody could do it, but it sure gives you the raw material to work with. And it's just, it's, it's a joy to work with you. Yeah. And we've got, thank you. We, we appreciate that. We, we appreciate everything that you all are doing and uh, we feel the same way too. It's, we've got great relationships with our customers and re- relationships are two or threefold, right? There's a personal relationship where you actually care about the people that you're working with. And then there's the professional relationship that we want them to um, be recognized because we work as an extension of their company, just like just like you guys do, right? What, what resources, uh, one, you bring us greater bandwidth in marketing and branding. And trust me, we're not experts there. You all know that. We're probably not novice, but we're definitely not experts. And you, you bring a lot of that competency and bandwidth and expertise. I mean, from messaging and branding and and website, videos, podcasts, everything. And, and 
And I tell you what, we're all about traction. We're all about results. And what we're seeing is uh, a growth that we never, never, ever would have uh, thought would happen this quick in, in the middle of a pandemic. And God bless everybody in the, in the pandemic, you know. But, um, Amen. Amen. Yeah, we're, we're very fortunate. We're very blessed. We're doing incredibly mm-hmm. well right now. And, uh, and I think we've, we've picked some good partners in you guys and appreciate it. Thank you for humble. Very much, very much. So I think that's going to, that's going to close the show for all of our listeners out there. You can go to nerdbrandagency.com slash podcast and listen to the latest episodes. Um, they are all up there. Uh, we promise. And you can go to iTunes or Spotify. Uh, we took down Google Play because Google changed the rules and where the podcast is at on Google Play, I don't know, but we talked about Apple so much. Maybe just, maybe, maybe switch. Maybe think about it. You know, maybe well, that's Really quick. I'm going to uh, so. <laughs> uh, You know, if you guys want to learn more about IQFact, you can go to, to theiqfact.com and uh, self-plug. We, we help them, you know, develop the website, design the website and the brand. Um, and... You know, if you're an e-commerce company, you know, I know, I know that's big right now. And that's something that, that John, you guys are, are certainly adept at handling. Um, if you're an e-commerce operator or, or distributor in any capacity and you're listening, you know, these are guys you want to talk to. All right. Well, I want to thank our guests, John, thank you for being on the show. Uh, it was really, it's nice meeting you. Yeah, we will. We will. Face to face one day. Bring a mask. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, bring a mask. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll get him out of the closet. No, I got, I got, that, I, what, I got that guy working pretty hard on a lot of things. He's, he's doing some great stuff for IQ back. He's, mm-hmm. he's also the other co-founder, so we, we kid back and forth a lot and have a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun, but we get a lot of stuff done. So, so thank you all for being on the show today. Thank you for our listeners. We're going to close out the show. And uh, everybody have a great Friday. And remember, keep your nerd brand strong.